0: Good morning, everyone. So good to be with you this morning. Friday night, we had a great time here in one of our ballrooms. We had, a, we had our annual father-daughter event, and this year it was a 50s sock hop. You can see some of the pictures there, and some of the guys are dressed up like uh, Fonzie and a couple of those older guys, and the girls are dressed in their poodle skirts, and, but it was a great event, and uh, I know there are some of you that are, are here this, uh, this morning, and uh, you were there, and uh, we had a great time. You know, part of uh, part of what we do here at the Croc Center, our vision is that we want to be a place where families, individuals, and relationships thrive in the name of Jesus. And so, that important relationship between a father and a daughter that is so important. And uh, you can see we're just having a grand old time. And if you missed it, uh, put it on your calendar for next year: our Father-Daughter event. Well, it's good to be here this morning. And you know, for the last several weeks, we've been looking at various aspects of grace and the different ways in which we can experience God's grace in our life. And my hope and my prayer is that we would be a church, that the Croc Center would be a church where we are an ohana of grace, ohana meaning family, church family, that we would be recognized as a church that's full of grace that lives a graceful life, that receives the grace of God, that extends grace to other people. And so today is the last sermon in our sermon series entitled Grace Anatomy. And um, before I continue, I do wanna thank uh, several individuals. I wanna thank Yvonne, I think Lyman, and Major Debbie. They've all shared uh, preaching and teaching and, uh, about, uh, and sharing from their perspective Uh, some various aspects of grace. And it's been a... Yes, let's give them a hand. And grace is such an important topic. It's such an important thing for us to understand and fully grasp and then to live it out as well. Well, let's have a word of prayer before we continue on. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that we can gather together like this. I pray, Father, that as we look into your word as we look more at this topic of grace and what it means and what it means to each and every one of us in our daily lives, I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts, that you would soften our spirits, that we would just have a better understanding of who you are, what your character is, and your character, Lord, is out of love and mercy and grace. So bless us now, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace. Grace. We keep coming back to the same idea, that there is nothing that God's grace cannot overcome. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen or how bad you've messed up, you can be restored. It doesn't matter how long you've been strained and lost and gone, God's grace pursues you and finds you, and then his grace welcomes you home like the prodigal son and it doesn't matter how many sins you've committed, or how many times you felt like you've really, really disappointed God, but you can be forgiven, and you can be restored. That is God's grace. Do you believe that? Yes. Say amen, then. Yes. That's God's grace. But have you ever heard of the word ungrace? It's the opposite of Grace. And you see it in some of the parables and the stories that Jesus told. For instance, in the story of the prodigal son, you see the left photo there, the guy in the background. That's the, if you know that story, it's the older brother. Now, the father had a lot of grace and love and mercy and forgiveness for the young son who had gone away. But when he came back and the dad said, we're going to throw you a party, the older brother didn't have a whole lot of grace, didn't he? And the other picture... It's the story of the woman caught in adultery, and Jesus forgave her and didn't condemn her. But the men who had gathered around her, who had drug her out, who had rocks and stones in their hands, accusing her, they weren't full of grace, were they? Ungrace. It's the attitude that resents the fact that someone other than you, or more accurately, someone in addition to you, is experiencing God's grace. You know, many people think that grace is a great idea, as long as it applies only to them. And they get a little jealous when they discover that someone else gets it too. Not only does this attitude hurt others, but it hurts you as well. The Bible teaches us what has been referred to as the principle of reciprocity. Reciprocity. You get back what you give. It's also called the law of the harvest. You know that law, right? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. He said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For what the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The law of the harvest, the principle of reciprocity. And the other side of this principle is that we give, not, we give not merely to receive, but we give because we've already received. We give out of our overflow. We bless others because we've been blessed ourselves. So here's a verse that I want to leave with you today. It's a commandment of Jesus, and I pray that you would follow this every day, but this is the verse we're focusing on this morning. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. And it's very simple and it's very short. It just says this. It says, freely you have received, freely give. It's talking about grace. It's talking about love. It's talking about mercy. Freely you have received, freely give. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say that phrase to your neighbor. Say, freely you have received, freely give. Remember that. Turn around and say it to your other neighbor, freely you have received, freely give. There you go. It's an easy verse to memorize. Easy, easy verse. You see, too many of us today spend too much of our time focused on what we lack. What we lack. I I, I need more money. I need more friends. I need more customers. I need more time. I, I, I need more attention. I need more of this and I need more of that. But Jesus calls us to live a different way. Instead of focusing on what's missing in our life, we need to focus on what's already existing in our life, what you already have. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, think on those things that you do have. Then, out of gratitude for what you've been given, give it to others. We've all been blessed. And we've been blessed to be a blessing to others. So let's talk this morning about how we can sow seeds of grace into the lives of others based on this principle of freely you have received, freely give. And let's see how we can apply this principle in our daily lives. So the first thing, what have you freely received? I think the first the first principle is this. We've re- all received forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let me tell you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, you have freely received God's forgiveness. He has come into your life and forgiven you of your sins, and not just some of your sins, but all of your sins. And the Bible says that God has. Trampled your sins under his feet, that he has removed them from you as far as the east is from the west, that he has cast them into the depths of the sea, that sea of forgetfulness. You are forgiven. Now, you don't deserve it. None of us do, but you have received it. That's grace. Now, there have been times when you've perhaps committed a sin, you've asked for forgiveness. And then you've committed that sin again. How many of you have done that before? Right? Yeah. Commit a sin, realize it, ask for God's forgiveness. And the next day, sin again. Right? I think we've all done that. And what did God do? Did he withhold his mercy? No, he forgave you. He forgave you. And if you went out and sinned again, and you went and asked for forgiveness, what did he do? Did he withhold his mercy? No. He forgave you. He knows. He knows that we are still a work in progress. All of us are. We're still a work in progress. We haven't quite arrived there yet. There's this uh, G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. God is not finished with me yet have you, ever guys, you guys ever said that to yourselves God is not finished with me yet, he's not he knows that you haven't yet become the person that you will become and he knows that that refining and that purifying process can sometimes take a while sometimes it takes a lifetime and he's patiently leading you there I think we have to understand that That's why we constantly need God's grace in our life. And when we stumble and we fall, God picks us up. Now if this isn't your experience with God, if this isn't your experience with God, one of unending mercy, an unrelenting grace, almost on a daily basis in your life, then I don't think you've had a real experience with God yet that relationship with God. And this is what He does for you and me. We've been been given all the forgiveness that we will ever need. And what did we do to deserve it? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was given to us freely. And that's grace. Now the Bible tells us He just doesn't leave us there. The Bible tells us that we Should in turn forgive others the same way that we've been forgiven. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And then in Colossians chapter 3, he says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you know what I've come to realize? In my few years here on planet Earth, a few years more than some of you, I've been through a few things, as have most of you. I've been through life, as has most of you. And I've been hurt by others. I've been offended by others. I've been lied to. I've been lied about. I've been cheated and taken advantage of a few times, I've been stabbed in the back and and, and gossiped about. As some of you have as well in your lifetime. But nobody, but nobody in my life has sinned against me as many times as I have sinned against Jesus Christ. After so many years, I still haven't exhausted his mercy After so many years, I still haven't exhausted his patience. After so many years, I still haven't exhausted his capacity to forgive me. And do you know what that means? It means that I must demonstrate for others the same mercy, the same compassion, the same patience, and the same forgiveness that Christ has given to me. Perhaps the Lord is bringing someone into your mind right now who perhaps you need to extend that type of love and mercy and forgiveness. You see, when I'm tempted to give up on someone, I have to ask myself, has God given up on me? The answer, of course, is no. He hasn't given up on me, so I can't give up on you. He hasn't given up on you, so please don't give up on me. You see, we are God's people. We are God's people. And we should be known for extending mercy to each other and to the world around us. You see, the more mercy you give, the more you receive. The more grace you receive, the more grace you give. Remember, we are called to be an ohana of grace. This should be our trademark. And so this principle of freely you have received and freely give not only applies to forgiveness and to the relationships that we have on a regular basis, it applies as well to, and this is my second point this morning, it applies to our, our money and our finances. Some of you are saying, oh, the pastor is going to start talking about money now. Start, People are starting to get Restless. But here's the crazy thing about us Americans. None of us thinks that we are rich, but on a global scale, everyone here today is in fact very, very wealthy. You can look at that chart up there on the screen. If you make minimum wage, which currently is, I believe, $8.50 an hour. If you just make the minimum wage, you are in the top 5% of the world's, world's richest people. And if your household income is above $32,000, thirty-two, 000, 32 four, believe it or not, you are in the top 1% of the world's wealthiest people. And if you don't believe me, you can check it out on that website up there on the screen. But here's the truth. The, The truth is that none of us feel rich. That's because we see, quote-unquote, real wealth on TV. We see the, the mansions and the homes of the rich and of the famous, and we see their big swimming pools and all their cars and their entourage. And we compare ourselves, and we think, that's how rich people live. Me? I'm just getting by. But here's the truth. We all have been We all have been blessed financially. Maybe not as much as some others have, but the point of living by grace is to focus on what's already existing in your life and not what's missing in your life. If you look at what is there and not what isn't there, you will see that God has blessed you at the very least a little bit. And if you're really honest, you'll probably be able to admit that he has blessed you a lot. He has blessed you enough that you can be a blessing to others. The Bible tells us that we are to give generously to others in response to the generosity that has been bestowed on us. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, it says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. And then when Paul gave instructions to the church in Corinth, On how to give, he said this in 1 Corinthians. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. And the principle here is that you give. Why? Because God has given to you. You give to him first from what he has blessed you with. And this is a great habit because it causes us to look at what we have and not what we don't have. And if you're currently not giving, I encourage you to start giving now with this motive in mind. This is the motive that we should use when we give I will give to others because God has given to me. I may not be a millionaire, but God has placed me here, in this place, at this time, in this country, with this set of skills and this place of employment, and he has allowed me to be in the top 5% of wage earners in the world, so I will give back to him by giving to others. And let this be your first motive for giving. You see, the principle of reciprocity is at work here too. Do you know what happens when you start to give? God blesses you even more. Jesus said, give. And it will be given to you. The Apostle Paul said essentially the same thing. He said, Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's a saying, it says, You can't outgive the giver. It's true. When you decide to be a financial blessing to others, God increases the blessings in your life. And it's too bad, it's a shame that some have taken the concept of giving and have turned it into a tool for selfish gain. But that's not what it is. Giving is about blessing others. It's about saying thank you to God for his generosity. And the more you bless others, the more opportunities God will give you to bless others. And so this practice of sowing seeds of generosity, it works in the area of forgiveness in our relationships. It works in the area of finances. And thirdly and lastly this morning, it also applies to really everything else in our life. This whole idea of we have freely received so we can freely give. That's right, everything else. This is how life works. You see, when you share what you have, God sends more your way. When you give what you need, God sends even more your way. You can apply this to every area of your life. Your willingness to forgive others. Your willingness to give and help financially. Your willingness to show love. Your willingness to be a friend. Your willingness to invest your time. Your willingness to share your talent. If you want to live in God's grace and you want to spend your life sowing the seeds of God's grace, then I encourage you to look into your life. Look at what you have, and we have so much, and then think about how much you can share it with others. Just as God has blessed you, he's calling you to be a blessing to others. I'm going to ask Freddie to come to the piano, and we're going to draw our service to a close this morning. But before I do that, I just want to read one more portion of Scripture, and you can see it up on the screen. It's the words of Jesus. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he puts it this way. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, and you can see how small it is, You see it between the thumb and the forefinger, that person? You can barely see that seed, how small it is. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. You see, the seeds of grace that you sow into the lives of others may seem small to you, But through the power of God, they become very big. A small act of forgiveness. Giving someone a break. Giving someone a second or a third chance. Having a little bit more patience. This has the potential to help someone discover a new way of living. When you give a few dollars here and there, it may not seem like much but a few dollars can make a difference in the lives of many people. When you offer a word of encouragement or share some of your knowledge or give some of your time, it may seem small to you, but these seeds of grace have the capacity to grow into mighty trees in the lives of others. In a few moments, the worship team is going to sing a song. And as they do, I want you to think and contemplate and If you want to come to the place of prayer, I invite you to do that. But I want you to think, who was it in your life that sowed some seeds of grace? Who showed you grace? And how was that grace extended to you? And then think of someone. Think of someone who you can extend grace to, who you can bless, Perhaps you need to forgive them. Perhaps you need to give them another chance. Perhaps you need to have a more compassionate heart. You see, in order to fully experience God's grace in your life, it's not all about receiving. You need to learn to share God's grace with others. That means learning to be a blessing to others. And when you take an honest look at your life, You can come to no other conclusion than this, that God has been good to you. And in response to that, Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give, freely give. Let the Lord speak to your heart this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads want to say a word of prayer this morning. If there are any needs in your heart, your family, I'd like to pray for you. Just slip up your hand, slip it down. Say, God, I need your help. I need some prayer this morning. God bless you. Many hands being been raised. Dear Jesus, we love you. We love you. Why? Because you first loved us. So Father, I thank you for that promise. I thank you for that gentle reminder that your grace and your mercy and your love and your forgiveness reaches out to us. And so Father, I just pray right now for for those who've raised their hands, for those who have burdens and concerns in their hearts. Father, thank you for loving them. Thank you for giving them. And Lord, I pray that whatever their concerns may be, we lift up to you. We lift them up to you in in faith, believing, and in confidence, with assurance that you are a great and mighty and powerful and compassionate God. And you know our needs. And you love us with an everlasting love. And you will never leave us nor forsake us. So I ask you to come close. Lord, encourage our hearts. Encourage our spirits. For there's healing that needs to take place. Lord, send your Holy Spirit to heal. Where there's reconciliation that needs to take place between people and individuals and families and loved ones. I pray, Father, that you would soften our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would come between us, and that we can love and forgive and move on. And So, Father, we just continue to lift up our needs to you. We continue to be reminded of your amazing grace. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.